Well, good morning, Southwinds family. As we gather for the very first time in our history, uh, virtually and not in person, I want to welcome all of our viewers uh, who are joining us uh, for this uh, really uh, historic day today. Uh, we want to say a couple of things as we welcome you. This is obviously um, our first time uh, to live stream, and so there are some things that we hope to have happen that have not uh, been brought uh, into the possibility at this moment, and you'll, you can look forward in the weeks ahead uh, to some uh, increased uh, opportunities uh, of interacting with us as we do this. Uh, in this time, we're not going to be able to have our, our worship music as we usually do, but that will be coming very soon. Uh, we're also uh, not going to be able to have uh, an online chat with this uh, message and this service, but that will be happening by next week, and we'll look forward to engaging with you uh, in that way. Uh, we want you to know as we move into this season that uh, our offices are going to remain open uh, despite the fact that uh, we will have no on-campus activities until further notice. Uh, we want to invite you as our, your leaders to, to feel free uh, to communicate with us via email and phone. And we hope that you will do that as we attempt to maintain community and the ministry that God has given us during this very uh, unusual season. We also want everyone to know uh, that online giving is going to be available as always, and we would encourage you uh, to remain faithful in your generosity during this time. God is giving us opportunities uh, to serve and minister to families, uh, even this week, uh, through needs of benevolence, and it's important that we all remain faithful uh, in our, our, our giving and our generosity. You know, today, March 15th, has been designated as a national day of prayer uh, by our president. And we want to begin this time together, uh, wherever you are right now, um, uh, here in Tracy, Mountain House, or Lathrop, or even uh, around the world, uh, we want to begin with a time of prayer. And so I would just ask you where you are, in your room, uh, your living room, uh, your family room, uh, wherever you are watching this, if you would just bow your heads and join me as I pray uh, with you. Father God, we do as your people come before you on this day, and we pray, Lord, for this uh, coronavirus global pandemic. Lord, we pray uh, that in light of all that is going on, that you in your mercy, uh, we ask you, Father, to stop it, to stop this pandemic. We ask you, Lord, to save lives, and, and Lord, not only in our communities, uh, but all around the world. Uh, Lord, we pray uh, particularly for places that just do not have the medical technology uh, that we do uh, to deal with this virus. We pray, pray, Lord, for your mercy. Lord, we pray for our, our government officials, all of our leaders, Lord, from uh, international level to our federal government, our president, our Congress, Lord, to our state, uh, even our local uh, officials. We pray, God, that you would give them wisdom. We pray that you would give them discernment. We pray that they would be directed in the best courses of action that would help us uh, prevent uh, any further spread um, of this virus, and Lord, that would care for those uh, who are already, already sick. Lord, your word tells us uh, that we are to number our days carefully so that we develop wisdom in our hearts. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us wisdom in this moment. Lord, we pray um, in this moment of fear uh, that while everything around us may seem to be shaking, uh, that we would have confidence in you. Lord, we pray that others uh, who are afraid would realize how fragile life is, that they would understand how real eternity is, 
And Lord, through this time, they would see their need to turn to you, uh, to know you, to love you, to serve you. Father, we ask you to protect um, our missionaries, our, our fam- their families around the globe. And Lord, we pray um, that in all of this, uh, you would use it for your good and your glory. Uh, we pray that you would use it uh, to lift high the name of Jesus, Jesus who is our Savior, Jesus who is our Lord. We pray these things, Father, now in Jesus' name, and I will trust that everyone says amen, uh, amen, as they are gathered around uh, our communities. Well, again, I want to welcome you uh, to uh, our service today on this historic occasion, uh, the Southwinds family, uh, all of our guests as we are gathering online today. And, you know, this is, is, is very historic. It's the very first time uh, that we've ever broadcast a live stream of our service and it's also more significantly the very first time that we along with churches uh, all across our country are gathering virtually and not in person Uh, our nation is facing this this crisis of the coronavirus and you know that that tells us that today is a very sober day it's a very serious day and we don't really know what to think we don't know what to think because all around us Many things uh, seem to be in this moment just trending down. Now, right now, our confidence in our health and our safety is down. And we are wondering if we or, or someone that we, we know and love is going to get sick. Now, right now, um, as a result of this coronavirus, our schools are shut down. The Dow is down. The NASDAQ is down. Foreign markets are down. And consumer confidence is down. Job prospects for some of us are going down. Maybe our net worth is going down. And one thing we do know for sure, our chances of having an adequate supply of toilet paper, well, that's way, 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 way down. Well, as a result of this, we wonder, is there anything going up? Anything at all? And the answer is yes. Some things are going up. The opportunity to trust God when trusting isn't easy, that's going up. The opportunity to serve people in need, that's going up. The opportunity to build a faith that will stand firm when the storms of life rage all around us, well, that's way up. The opportunity to create a community where we can all be real and honest with each other, where we can love each other and pray for each other and support each other, that's going up. The opportunity for us as God's people to tell anxious neighbors, and worried family and friends all around us about the grace of God. That's going up. And we know, we know that all these things are going up because the power of God still sustains the universe. Because the death of Jesus is still enough to forgive sin. Because the presence of the Holy Spirit still guides and comforts people who need wisdom. Because the Bible still remains the word of God. Because prayer still is being answered. And because the gospel is still changing lives. Because faith still overcomes despair. And because the tomb is still empty. Friends, because the church of Jesus is still marching. Because Jesus, he's still Lord. And because the promise of heaven is still the only ultimate hope that any of us have. And it is closer today than it was yesterday. You know, as Christ followers, we take the coronavirus seriously. We know 
we live in a fallen world, but we also know we live in the love and the care of our sovereign God who does all things well. We know that if God is for us, who can be against us? That he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him freely give us all things? We know that we can, with the Apostle Paul, confidently proclaim, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And the answer, friends, say it with me, no, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul goes on to say, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is our hope. That is our confidence. That is why we can still worship and follow and serve our Lord God. And I hope in your heart right now you are joining me in the spirit of saying amen and agreeing that our Lord, our God, continues to work and we can still have faith and hope and trust in him. If you haven't done this already, I hope you'll get a Bible. And if you have a Bible with you, will you go ahead and open it to the book of John, the gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 12. And if you were here last week, you know that we are uh, in a series called I Am, Jesus in His Own Words. Well, today we're going to be looking at the second part of this series. Uh, we're exploring in these weeks Jesus' identity. And today we're going to see a second claim that Jesus makes about Himself. Jesus in John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. Now, I want to tell you something. We're going to continue this study uh, because I really am convinced in times like these, more than anything else, what each one of us needs is not advice. We need to know God. We need to know God more deeply, more fully, more completely. And the truth is, the more we know God through the person of his son, Jesus Christ, the more we will know how to live, the more we will know how to face difficult times, even frightening times like these. Now, maybe remember last week that I showed you that Jesus makes seven I am statements in John's gospel. We learned that, that I am was how God identified himself in the Old Testament. And so when Jesus arrives on the scene and he starts saying I am, he was claiming to be God. In each statement, Jesus is saying I am God. And then he explains this is what that means. So last week, if you remember, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And we learned that, that Jesus is telling us that he is the only one who could truly satisfy our souls, that he is the only one who uh, gives us true life. And we learned that we need to feed in faith on Jesus, to take him into our lives, to make him everything. I want you, with that in mind, to listen to John 8, 12, this second I am statement. Here's what John writes. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, I want to cut right to the chase. There are two sentences in this verse, and Jesus is saying two basic things to us. Jesus is saying, this is who I am. And Jesus is saying, this is what it means to follow me. 
And it's really hard to think of two more important things that we need to know than these, these two things. So we're going to, right now today, be drilling down really on this one verse. But the truth is also, for us to really understand this verse in John's Gospel, we need to turn to some other passages in John's Gospel. And so we're going to be doing that as we unpack, unfold John eight twelve. And, and these two sentences really do answer two big questions for us. First question is, who is Jesus? Second question is, what does it mean to follow him? So, first question, who is Jesus? And as John 8, 12 begins, we know that John is starting a new part of the story because he says when Jesus spoke again to the people, which means that Jesus is is speaking to the people like he was back in John 7, but this is a new conversation. And so if you go back to John 7, you see that Jesus is in Jerusalem for the annual Feast of Tabernacles. And there are tens of thousands of people who are crowded in Jerusalem for for this festival that celebrated the harvest. And during this festival, the priests would do some things. They they would bring out a huge basin of water. They would pour that out in thanksgiving to God for giving them the blessing of rain. God also gave them the sun. And so they would light this huge candelabra in the temple, and then they would pass out tens of thousands of candles, and everyone would be holding candles. Historians tell us that during the Feast of Tabernacles at night, the city of Jerusalem could be seen for miles and miles away. And I want you to envision this. I want you to picture this. This is when Jesus stands up, and I happen to think he probably did this at night which would have made it even more dramatic, Jesus stands up and Jesus declares, I am the light of the world. And he was making an incredible claim. In this context, this means he was making the claim to be the God who gives the sun, who gives light. Now, light's a a metaphor, but it's a very broad metaphor. So what exactly does Jesus mean by it? In, In what way is Jesus light? How is Jesus light? Maybe you know the theme of light is all over the Bible. It goes all the way to the very beginning of Scripture. God created light. God is the light. That's what the Old Testament says over and over again. Psalm 27, 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Psalm 76, 4, God is radiant with light. Psalm 104, verse 2, God wraps himself in light as with a garment. And so this means when Jesus shows up, And he claims to be light. He was claiming to be God. He's making this audacious claim to be deity, to be God himself. Now, John, in the gospel, has already referred to Jesus as light two times. In John 1, as he opens the gospel, then again in John 3. And if you keep going in John 9, he'll he'll refer to Jesus as light. And then once more in John chapter 12. And so when we look at this verse, John 8, 12, we we cannot help but think about all those other times in this gospel where Jesus is called the light because they're they're really all connected. And when we bring them all together, we learn that Jesus is the light in at least two different ways. You might, might want to write this down if you're taking notes. First, Jesus is the light that gives physical life. Now, to understand this, we need to turn back to John 1 because this is the first thing John tells us about Jesus. This is how he begins his gospel. He, he tells us that Jesus is the word who was with God and who was God, who was in the beginning with God. And then in verses 3 through 5 of John 1, he writes about Jesus this. Through him, 
all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Maybe, maybe you've heard this passage before, but I think what's interesting, especially if we've been around church for a while, we, we, we read these words and we reflexively start thinking John is talking about spiritual things here. When he says, in him was life and that life was the light of men, we, we can assume he's talking about spiritual life and light and that when the spiritual light shines in the spiritual darkness, the darkness doesn't understand it. But actually, if you look at these verses closely, you will see John is talking first about physical creation. He just said in verse 3, all things were made through the word, that's Jesus. All things in creation were created by Jesus. And then in verse 4, he says, in him was life and that life was the light of men. This means that what John is saying here is that Jesus was and is divine life, true life, the source of all life, and it's from that source that all human beings exist. That's what John's saying. Now think back to the obvious connection John is making in these verses, which is back all the way to Genesis 1. Remember that there was darkness everywhere. Genesis 1-2 says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And that's what it was like until God said, Let there be light. And then for the first time ever, darkness was overcome. Creation began. And what John tells us here is this. Listen, Jesus was the life that created that light. The light of creation came through the life of the Word, Jesus, the Son of God. And what that means is this, mark it down, never forget it. We exist because of Jesus. We exist because of Jesus. And one of the things this means practically is that everything in the universe is connected to Jesus because everything in the universe comes through Jesus. Look at verse 3 again in John 1. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And it's no wonder that we have all these metaphors about who Jesus is that are embedded in the natural created world. This created world came through Jesus, so ultimately it all is pointing back to Jesus. And that's especially true for you. And it's true for me. It's true for all people. There's something more significant uh, even than this going on when it comes to humanity. And, and John gets there in John 1. And it's not just that Jesus created all things and, and that when he was, and then he was done. John goes further than that. He says, Jesus is the light of men. And, and men here is the Greek word for human. He says, Jesus is the light of humans, of the light of people, which means we're talking about every person here. This is all of us. This is our light our existence. It comes from Jesus. Maybe, maybe you didn't know that, or maybe you haven't thought much about that, but it's true. This week, I, I found myself thinking about all the people in our communities, all the people across our nation, even all around the world, who, who are thinking about the coronavirus. So many lives, so many stories, so many beating hearts. And it's all because of Jesus. Every single person. And how many people know that? I was thinking about this. How many people out there 
right now are, are, are realizing that they are breathing air created for them by Jesus. How many know that the world right now is staying in orbit for them because Jesus is telling it to? See, that's what it means to say Jesus is the light. See, it means also that it doesn't matter where you're coming from or even what your background is. It doesn't even matter what religion you claim. It doesn't even matter, friends, I'll be honest and straight with you, whether you believe it or not. If you exist, you exist because of Jesus. It's all because of him. He is the light. And that's what John wants us to know right from the start. In, in telling us this, John is doing something really important. He's setting something up that he's going to expand on throughout his gospel. He's setting up for us what you might call the tragic irony of unbelief. It's all through the gospel. He, he shows us this irony first in John 1 verse 9, and I want to see if you can hear it. John 1, 9 through 11 says, the true light, that's Jesus, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Did you hear it? John says that we humans, whose very existence is because of Jesus the light, when that light came into the world, we rejected him. People have rejected the light that created them. How do we do that? Well, when Jesus came into the world, what's called the incarnation, when the Son of God put on human flesh and came to us humans, when the we true light came into the dark world, we did not believe him. That's the rejection John's talking about. People did not believe in Jesus. People have not believed in the one who made them. Do you see the tragic irony in that? On a more personal level, that means that when we, or when you, don't believe in Jesus, you are rejecting the very person who made you exist. See, it's a tragic irony. It gets played out over and over again throughout the Gospel of John. Now, John does something really kind of sweet right here in John 1. He starts by talking about Jesus' connection to physical life, and then just like that, we find ourselves talking about spiritual life. He moves from physical to spiritual life because really they're connected, and, and John plays with these connections all through his gospel. He often uses physical reality as, as a way for us to understand spiritual reality. That's why he uses so many metaphors. But the emphasis going forward now is spiritual reality. And that's always his ultimate point, which is good because that's the second way Jesus gives us light or that he is the light. Jesus is the light that gives spiritual life. And we're about to leave John 1, but notice that the rejection of, of Jesus that John mentions is not just a physical issue, it's a spiritual issue. And that becomes crystal clear the next time this concept of light shows up in John 3, I want you to listen to John 3, verses 16 through 19. Jesus is speaking. Jesus says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, 
But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Now, this passage is loaded with truth, but notice right away that Jesus gives spiritual life. That's John 3, 16, probably the most famous, familiar verse in all of the Bible. Whoever believes in Jesus is going to have eternal life. And eternal life is spiritual life that starts now and never ends. And it's life that will one day be united with a new, resurrected, glorified physical body. That's what the Bible teaches. Believing in Jesus means Jesus is going to give you that. And then Jesus even says that's why he came into the world. He says, he says God sent his son into the world to save the world, and everyone who believes in him is saved. Those who believe have eternal life. And I want to just stop right here for a moment and say that reality should encourage us, even in the face of the coronavirus, This is reality. This is true. Jesus is God. Jesus is God's one and only son. Jesus is the source of our life. And this is just as true today, friends, as it was last week. God loves us so much. He gave his one and only son so that we could know life. But it's also true, as John says, that whoever does not believe is condemned. And here's why. Go to verse 19 where it's spelled out. Uh, Jesus says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. So John is telling us in his gospel, people are condemned because they don't believe in Jesus. And Jesus tells us here, their unbelief has to do with darkness. So, so darkness gets mentioned again, like in John 1, 5. But this time, uh, J- Jesus is talking about spiritual darkness. People not believing in Jesus is explained as people being stuck in spiritual darkness. But there's an interesting feature of that. This darkness they're stuck in, this spiritual darkness people are dying in, is a darkness that they love. Did you notice that? And they love the darkness because their deeds are evil. That's what Jesus says. And and this means for us, we need to figure out what we're supposed to do about this darkness issue. And I think Jesus tells us in the second part of, of this verse that we're studying, John 8, 12, we see in the second half of Uh, chapter 8, verse 12, that not only does Jesus tell us who he is, he also answers the second question, which is what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Again, Jesus says in 8.12, John 8.12, I am the light of the world. In other words, he's the giver of all physical life and spiritual life. Now second, he says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So let's track with what's going on here. In John 3, people don't believe in Jesus because of spiritual darkness. Here in John 8, to follow Jesus means you don't walk in spiritual darkness. So what is spiritual darkness? What's clear in both places is that spiritual darkness is incompatible with faith in Jesus. Spiritual darkness is what keeps people from believing in Jesus. And and once you believe in Jesus, then you're not walking in spiritual darkness. And I think that explains what the spiritual darkness actually is, is this spiritual darkness Jesus is talking about is unbelief in him. You could put it this way. Spiritual darkness is spiritual blindness. 
It's a blindness, an unbelief that keeps people from seeing Jesus for who he is. They, they don't recognize him. They don't see his glory. They don't understand his worth. And, and I'll just say, friend, if that's where you are today, then you cannot help but walk in your unbelief. If you don't believe in Jesus, then you live in that unbelief and darkness. You will think in ways and do things that correspond to your not believing in Jesus. But to follow Jesus means the opposite of all that. To, to follow Jesus means you do believe in him. You do see his glory. You do understand his work. And then you live like it. You live in the light. To follow Jesus according to John 8, 12 means you have the light of life. This means that you have the light that is life. You have spiritual life. You have eternal life life. This, in short, is what it means to follow Jesus. This is what Jesus is saying. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will, notice this, have the light of life. And it's interesting uh, that when Jesus tells us here what it means to follow him, did you notice he doesn't tell us what we need to do? He tells us what we have. Did you see that? And this is where Jesus' statement lands in John 8, 12. And this is where Christianity as a faith lands overall. This is one of the ways that Christianity is different from every other religion in the world. Every other religion in the world, one way or another, ends up being about what you must do in this life in order to make it to heaven, or however heaven is defined. Whether it's getting to paradise in Islam or nirvana in Buddhism or moksha in Hinduism, the emphasis is always on what you must do now in order to make it there then. But Christianity, the gospel, is different. Wherever religion tells you what you must do now in order to make it to heaven, Christianity tells you that what you have now what you have now because of Jesus, and that you will have that forever. And you can have the light of life, friends. You can have the eternal life that Jesus came to give you, and you have it by believing. That is what it means to not walk in darkness, to turn from the darkness that is unbelief. You just believe. You believe in Jesus. You see Jesus for who he is. You see that he is light and from his light, he makes you see. He gives you spiritual life. And I think when we consider that, there are two words, two truths, two principles for us today as a faith family about following Jesus. And I'm going to leave you with these. I think uh, what is being said here to us by way of application, first of all, is come into the light. Come into the light. John shows us that in John 9. And I wish we had time to explore this story in depth. It's an incredible story. But there's a miracle in the next chapter in John 9 that authenticates the claim that Jesus makes here in John 8. And it's a story about a blind man. Jesus and his disciples are, are passing by this blind man one day. And Jesus says something to his disciples that we have heard before. He says in John 9 verse 5, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And then, if you remember the story, Jesus spits on the ground and he mixes his spit with the dirt and he makes mud 
And then he puts the mud on the man's eyes. It's like he's anointing this blind man's eyes. And then in verse 7, it says, Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word meant sent. And so the man went and washed and came home seeing. Jesus made a blind man see. Jesus, the light of the world, made this physically blind man physically see. And again, John is he's playing with these connections between physical and spiritual. Because after, after, after this miracle, there's this huge fight about it. The Pharisees, they're, they're angry because Jesus did this on the Sabbath, and that was against their rules. And they, they were just trying to verify what had really happened because they didn't believe that this man was really blind. They didn't believe that Jesus had really made him see. And the truth was they didn't want to believe. And John is showing us how spiritually blind the Pharisees were. They were in spiritual darkness. The story shakes out a little while later in, in chapter 9. The story ends. Jesus goes and he finds again this man who, who used to be blind. And Jesus says this to him. This is verses 35 through 39. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Jesus, he is the light of the world because he came to open our blind eyes and to make us see. The one who gives us physical life came to give us spiritual life. And I just want to say, maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe, maybe you, you, you've turned this, this live stream on and you're watching and you're wondering about your life. Maybe the truth of the matter is, maybe it's dawning on you right now that you're in spiritual darkness. But maybe you find yourself wanting to see. You want to know true life. You really do. If so... I want to tell you today, right now, Jesus spoke these words just for you. Jesus said, just for you, I am the light of the world. He said it for you. And he is now saying to you, come into the light. Come into the light. If you believe in me, Jesus says, I will be your light. I, I will give you life. Now, I'm telling you right now, friend, you can have the light of life by believing in Jesus who is the light. And you can have that today, right now. You say, how do, I, how do I have that? Well, it's actually very simple. All you need to do is turn from your sin, from your spiritual darkness. The, the Bible calls that repentance. You own up to the reality that you have walked away from God and you have lived life your own way. And then the Bible says after you repent, you believe. You believe in Jesus, the light of the world. Believing in Jesus means that you accept that Jesus is God's Son sent to this earth to reveal the Father to us. Believing in Jesus means that you believe that Jesus, God's Son, died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, the, the penalty that we all deserve. Believing in Jesus means that you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead that first Easter Sunday morning and that Jesus lives today. 
that he is God's ruling, reigning son in heaven. You, you believe in Jesus, and that means that you then give him your life. You, you say to him, Jesus, you are my Lord. Jesus, you are my king. I believe you are the light of the world. You know, if you want to do that, all you need to do is pray. And prayer just means you talk to God. You just tell him those things that I've just shared with you. Use your own words. And then I would encourage you to tell someone else. If you would, we would love for you to get in touch with one of our pastors, me or any of our pastors, so that we can give you guidance, so we can help you with, with new next steps in your spiritual life. We, we really would look forward to hearing from you. And so this word for uh, thus today as we hear it together is come into the light. That's the first word. But the second word, the second word is share the light. Share the light. Southwinds family, I, I want to take the rest of our time to challenge us, you and me, during this season especially to share Jesus' light. You see, in this time of uncertainty, God issues to us a very certain call. When we read God's word, what God calls us to do in times like, like this is so very crystal clear. Those of us who follow Jesus, the light of the world, are to share his light. Jesus says in John's gospel that he is the light of the world. But do you know there's another place where Jesus says that we, his followers, we are the light of the world. We find this in Matthew's gospel. Uh, it's part of what's called the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most famous message and this is what he says this is matthew 5 verses 14 through 16 jesus says you are the light of the world a city on a hill cannot be hidden neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven Southwinds, this is God's word to us. It's God's word to us today. Three days ago, David Brooks, New York Times columnist, wrote a column called this, called Pandemics Kill Compassion Too. And in this column, he, he wrote these words. Some disasters like hurricanes and earthquakes can bring people together. But if history is any judge, pandemics generally drive them apart. He talked about, and he gives some historical examples of plagues that have gone across the world in centuries past, uh, how when natural disaster strikes, people rally. They come together. They help each other. But when disease strikes, people retreat. People isolate. They, they self-protect. They move away from need. What I'm telling us today, Southwinds, is this is not the way of Jesus. Not the way of Jesus. L let me just put it very clearly. Southwinds, this is a time to serve. It's a time to serve. You see, because we know that Jesus loves and Jesus cares for us, we can be set free from fear. We can be set free from the need to protect ourselves and just take care of our own. We are set free to serve, to give, even to sacrifice. We are set free 
because the light of the world is living in us and we are now his light in this dark world. We have life in Jesus. We have his light and so let us shine and let us share that light. What does that mean practically? Well, we're going to be unpacking that, I know, more and more in the days ahead. But starting today, let me just say to you, let us as a faith family take the serving that we have been doing as part of Breakthrough, the serving that is part of our ongoing mission as a church. And friends, will you say this with me? Let's take it to another level, another level. Let us shine the light of Jesus in Tracy and Mountain House and Lathrop like we've never done before. You say, what does this mean? Well, the truth is it's going to mean different things for each one of us. Now, maybe you're a person because of your age and your physical condition who is particularly vulnerable to the coronavirus. Maybe your light will need to shine by phone or by email. Just love people the way that you can. Maybe, maybe you need to shine your light by finding neighbors who can't get out or neighbors who will have financial distress because of job loss or, or because they become ill. Will you ask God today, right now even, to help you to find ways to shine your light? See, Southwinds, I have a question for you, especially if you're parents. Here's the question. What will you be teaching your children about following Jesus during this time? Will they learn from you during this time that you think that life is ultimately about protecting what is yours? Or will they learn from you that life is ultimately about trusting Jesus and obeying Jesus and following Jesus, which means loving people in Jesus' name? I have a challenge for us. This is just one example. How about, how about that we, in just the next few weeks, completely finish painting all of the city benches in Tracy that we've been starting on and that we, we do it in the name of Jesus during this time. How about we do that? Uh, we, we've, we've done right around 50. There's about 120, so that means we have about 70 to go. Maybe, maybe you take your life group out on a Sunday. Maybe you take your kids out on a weekday. Hey, they can't go to school. They're driving you nuts. Let's get them out doing something. How about that? And, and maybe together you can get a bench painted. You guys can serve as a family in Jesus' name. Maybe you're going to do it with a couple of families in your life group. But however you do it, let's shine the light. Let's shine the light of, of Jesus before people so they can see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. You know, I, I don't know if you know this, um, but Christ's followers loving and serving their communities in the face of massive epidemics has literally in the past changed the course of history. There were two times in the history of the early church, one around 65 AD, the other around 250 AD, where there were these massive epidemics. Historians think most likely it was smallpox, but here's how bad it was. These epidemics wiped out between one-fourth and one-third of the entire Roman Empire. And you can imagine, this created so much fear in people. It was so bad that an ancient writer named Dionysius says, this is the general response of most people living in the Roman Empire. Here's the quote. They pushed sufferers away, and they fled from their dearest. That means their family. And listen to this. 
They were throwing them into the sides of roads before they were dead. They treated unburied corpses as dirt, hoping to avert disease. This is the world in which people lived. But then there was this new community. There was this new group of people, this family who had linked themselves to this man named Jesus. And they said to themselves, you know what? Jesus, our Lord, Jesus, our Savior, he cared for the sick. Jesus would touch lepers when no one else would touch them. He would heal people, even when he got in a lot of trouble for it. He would even risk his life to help people make well, may, may be made well. And now we are his body. Now he is within us. Now we are light. And so they did what Jesus did. They took people in and they cared for the sick and the dying. And they did this at the cost, even of their own lives. These epidemics, historians say, and the way the church responded to them played a huge role in the spread of Jesus' way throughout the ancient world because there had never been a community like this. Jesus said to his followers, I am the light of the world, and I'm giving you the light that creates life. And now that you have my life in me, I'm calling you to go out into the dark world and to shine, shine that light. I'm calling you to follow me and tell people who I am and how much I love them. Friends, Jesus is the light of the world. He gives us his light, which is the light of life. Will we together shine, shine that light? I want to ask you, if you would, uh, again, to bow your heads and for us to pray together. I want to thank you for being here with us. You know, at this point in our, our regular service, we would normally, normally take an offering. And we obviously cannot do that physically but I want to encourage you as part um, of our worship together, our service to the Lord, that we would all remain faithful in our generosity. Uh, again, there are options like online giving or using just the mail, uh, but to make sure that we have the resources to continue to serve you and our communities. Uh, let's share in this together. Father God, you are good. You are great. And Lord, we believe that you're in control, even when we don't understand all that is happening, all that is going on. Lord, again, we pray for your mercy uh, during this time that you would stop this pandemic, that lives would be saved. Again, we pray for wisdom for our, our leaders, uh, government, uh, medical leaders, that, that all the people who are on the front lines uh, of fighting the coronavirus would have your wisdom and your discernment to do what is best, to do what is wise. Lord, most of all, we pray that during this time that your light would shine brightly. May we be a people of light, Father, a people who love others around us in the name of Jesus so that they can know Jesus' light and Jesus' life. Lord, we thank you for the blessing, the privilege that it is to be a part of the Southwinds family. Lord, we ask that you would bring us back together physically again very soon. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people, wherever you are, just say amen, amen. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, we are so glad that you could be part of this 
time of virtual uh, worship today. Uh, we look forward to serving you in the days ahead, and we look forward to gathering again next Sunday um, as we continue uh, to live stream our worship services, as we continue to be Jesus' light in Jesus' life here, Tracy, Mountain House, and Lathrop. Thank you. Have a great day. We're praying for you. We'll see you soon.